When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my god, I can't breathe. Okay, sit down. No, I can't sit down. I'm too... Oh my god, he kissed me. Who kissed you? The Lord, Mama. Oh. Okay then. Hey guys, it's Sandra. This is Emily. And I'm Jess. And now... It's time for Sandra's Sucky Summaries. In this episode... Stars Hollow has been taken over by children dressed like pumpkins, pilgrims, Native Americans, and corn. The leaves, however, nowhere to be seen. We finally witness a lifelong feud between Luke and Taylor Dozy, the grocery store owner, and mayor? Town representative? I don't know who he is, but I do know he's annoyingly obsessed with decorations. Luke says he doesn't like orange while wearing a brown, white, and orange plaid shirt, and Lorelai isn't wearing underwear. Taylor and Dean try to build the Mayflower out of cranberry sauce cans, and Rory hangs out by the cornstarch. An invitation for Pop leads to a kiss by the ant spray, and Rory does the patented Rory runaway. At the Kim house, it's sing your favorite hymn night, and maybe Rory does need to pray because she still hasn't told Lorelai about Dean. Luckily, Mrs. Kim tells Lorelai all about him. Outside, Lane and Rory are dressed like pilgrims and rehashing a two-second kiss for the past hour. Lorelai is concerned about the new Lucky and if him and Liz will kiss, and Rory does not understand her. Luke would look good as one of the guys from the Crucible, according to Lorelai, and according to Luke, she should not kill the bag boy. It's double coupon day. She'll bring down the town. But hey, Lorelai is perfectly fine. That is, until she invites Dean over to watch Gene Wilder, not Hackman, and Rory needs to remind her this is an Amish country. Boys and girls usually date alone. Later, Dean is late, but not really. Just in Babette's clutches. Lorelai, Rory, and Dean make the world's most awkward trio. Rory has a nice chicken, and Suki brings desserts. Begrudgingly, Dean and Rory, super cute. But Lorelai and Dean, super intense. Dean, however, can and does defend himself. The episode ends with a second kiss, and another rehashing of the first kiss, this time with Lorelai. And that was Kiss and Tell. Let's discuss. So, as you said, the second kiss ends with another rehashing, this time with Lorelai. My first thought was, wait, Dean kisses Lorelai? When did that happen? <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> you know what? They have chemistry uh, later on, but this episode, they kind of just have bad vibes. This is yeah. not the Brady Bunch. We don't need to find out years later that Greg and Carol have been slamming. So Probably not, no. <laughs> like, I get it. She's 16. She's still a kid, but she's also 16. She's not really a kid anymore. Can we stop treating her with these kid gloves? Yeah. I mean, Lorelai makes a point of, uh, I think it's when she's talking to Mrs. Kim about how, or it might be when she's talking to Luke, actually. She confides in Luke a lot in this episode. Like, yeah. has no problem being like, 
my daughter kissed the bag boy. You know, like, she doesn't even pause. It's like, of course I'm going to tell Luke. Well, Luke is more Luke than ever. Yes. Like, this yes. is Luke now. This is Luke. Luke. They've, they've yes. figured out Luke's personality. Mm-hmm. I think it, we had to wait until Taylor showed up. And yay, Taylor is here. God, Love nay, to hate Taylor. Taylor here. <laughs> I, I can confirm as of now, though, he is not the mayor. I don't know no. what he is, but he is not the mayor. He's because on selectmen. That's that's what they say, and that's what Jackson runs for later. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the episode, the three month anniversary episode, we have the mayor is the one who gives right. his little speech, and he's yeah. in some town meetings before then. So, as of now, yeah, he's not the mayor. But right now, he's just nosy. Yeah, he's the perfect foil to Luke, right? Mm-hmm. Like. He rubs Luke the wrong way, and it just brings out my favorite Luke. <laughs> it's so great. And I, this episode, I think, is the first episode that we really get that Stars Hollow flair, right? Yes. Something about the holidays and Stars Hollow with their pageantry and, like, the fact that they have teenagers just sitting out dressed in pilgrim costumes. A little strange. It's so weird, but it's so Stars Hollow. And this is one of the first, and I have to say, I think one of the few times where we truly see Rory, like, very intensely involved in a town event. Yeah. Like, we see her helping out, obviously, in other episodes throughout the series, but this is one of the few times we actually see her dressed up and helping during the event. Especially considering how much it's implied that she volunteers. And it's interesting, because you would think she would have to be part of the high school like you would, there would be a sign-up sheet at the high school. Hey, mm-hmm. join us for this volunteer or something. But no, she can still join, even though she's at Chilton. Um, yeah. Speaking of Chilton, not mentioned once in this nope. entire episode. This was a Stars Hollow episode. Yeah. yeah. We see her and in her uniform and that's it. Mm-hmm. We don't have a Friday night dinner this episode nope. either. Emily is not there. It's a very, yeah, very Stars Hollow centric. But we do have, like, one of the biggest, most pivotal points in the first season, which is, like, this is the first Kiss episode. It is. Yay. And it's it's a big deal. Uh, And it's it's a big deal because it kicks off the, like, actual Rory Dean relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say, having, you know, gone back and watched this, I forgot how awkward this entire, like period of their relationship is i always romanticize that kiss in my head because when i saw this i had the first time i had never been kissed right like i was looking at them i was looking at them kissing in the grocery store and thinking oh my gosh one day (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would have been like mm, maybe 10 or 11 so i hadn't been kissed either and they are super awkward but everything it's the scene as well dosi's market is a mess of a market. Yeah. I don't know if you guys looked at what's on the shelves, but it's just what is going on in the store? A jumble is... and everything also looks old. Like I was looking at yeah. the the cans and I was thinking, admittedly, this is twenty years ago at this point, but I mean, the, it it looks old even for twenty years ago. There's these random pink, blue, and red bottles in the back. I don't know. They I every time I'm like, what are they? Away from those, it's a drink, I would assume, but away from that, I think Dosi's kind of really leans into the small town, old, historic vibe. Mm -hmm. So I, and like the coolers they have there, those are obviously older coolers that they have 
cold food in. Mm-hmm. Um, they are replaced in A Year in the Life. I I love the interaction between Rory and Dean. This is the first time it feels like Rory truly seeks out Dean and yes. doesn't freak out the moment he she gets his attention. Like any other time, it's like she'll kind of seek him out, but hide in the background and just look at him. This is the first time she gets in a position where he can come talk to her and they actually have a conversation. Right? It's like this is two-sided now, finally. Yeah. Uh, A little bit of flirting, a little bit of mocking. Uh, Oh, you're from Chicago. You say pop. We say soda. I was wondering. What do you guys say? Yeah. So, West Coast over here, I say soda. I also say soda. I say Coke. And I like Pepsi, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you say? Can I have a Coke? Pepsi, please? No, I say, well, no, because nowhere, nowhere here sells both. And if they sell both, it's a store of some kind, so you go in and get it yourself. Anywhere else mm-hmm. you go out to eat, or it's a vending machine, or anything like that, um, if you have to ask somebody, it's Coke or Pepsi. And Coke mm-hmm. is just the default here. So as for Coke, and then if anything, like, oh, is Pepsi okay? Even better. Yeah. Is <laughs> essentially how those conversations go. I'm a Diet Pepsi girl. Like, I love a Diet Pepsi. <laughs> Guys, I don't like sodas. <laughs> I'm trying to cut back on the soda. I drink too much. Would you like a soda if a cute boy was giving it to you for free? Yeah, I would probably still take it. Right? <laughs> and then it would just go on her dresser on display for years. Yeah. She never drank it. (laughs) This is also uh, the first criminal activity we see from Mm. young Miss Gilmore. (laughs) This is a gateway, a gateway to boat theft, you guys. At least this one isn't thought of. There's not a a discussion beforehand. Yeah. And to be fair, I totally stole some M&Ms when I was like six from the grocery store. I think every child at some point accidentally does that, and then their parents react to a varying degree. My mom told me I could get some M&Ms, and I guess I had already grabbed some and put them in my pocket and totally forgot. So I'm, like, looking all through the cart for these M&Ms, and I get home and find them, like, an hour and a half later, which, by the way, they were in my pocket. Why did it take so long? <laughs> and I freak out, and I run to mom, my mom, and she's just like, oh, eh, it's okay. Don't do it again. So Rory and Dean kiss. It's a very short kiss. No tongue. No a tongue. Little Not for your first kiss. Although, according to everyone else, they made out. They they almost had a here to eternity moment there. <laughs> I love that. Well, sweet Rory and her first kiss. And what does this very sweet, well brought up girl do? She says thank you. <laughs> so polite. So polite. It's so funny. Looking back on this, and I, I mentioned it to my co-hosts before we started, um, I've had that reaction to something. The first time somebody told me they loved me, I was, like, not ready to say it back, and my first response was, thank you. <laughs> like, I know what it feels like to just be kind of, like, shocked and default mm-hmm. to politeness. I love that, though. That's so cute. It was very cute. I- and I love Rory's. I love Rory's response being "thank you" as well. Yeah, it kind of gave me. Um, it's a completely different vibe, but the "I love you, I know" from Star oh. Wars. Oh yeah, right? it's a different vibe, but it's the same like unexpected um, response. Yeah, but that response was given with much confidence. Oh, much more. <laughs> 
Han Solo. So much more confidence. Rory Gilmore. They kiss, and she says thank you, and then she does like Rory does, and she runs away. Runs away. <laughs> oh my gosh, but I love, love, love that she, like, she books it out of there. She knows exactly where she's going. She is oh, going yes. to Lane's house. She's going to tell Lane, and we get that great, <laughs> who kissed you? The Lord Mama? Like... <laughs> <laughs> What a great cover-up. And we learn in this episode that Miss Kim is not as um, clueless as she is playing. No, she completely not. knows what they're saying. She's listening. Uh, I have a note on my, my list of notes that says, Moms supporting moms. Because when I watch this as a young person and Mrs. Kim tells Lorelai about the kiss, I thought, oh my gosh, like, snitches get stitches, Miss Kim. How could you? <laughs> but now, as a grown-up, like, if I was a parent and another parent told me, like, hey, I overheard something about your kid, I'd be like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me. Like, it's the mom code. It's a yes. thing. And the mom code comes up between Miss Kim and Lorelai multiple times throughout the yeah. show. So I kind of actually have a similar example. Um, I'm a little ahead. I've been watching episodes ahead. And in, we'll talk about it then, but in Rory's dance, Miss Patty calls Lorelai mm-hmm. and is like, hey, just so you know, Rory is here, right? Or she's going home now. And I thought to myself, how nosy of Miss Patty. <laughs> and I was watching it with my mother and my mother was like, no, you, she just saved Lorelai five minutes more of worry. Right. Yeah. Like, And not like worried about oh, when's the fridge guy going to get here? But, like, true, oh, my God, my kid is mm-hmm. not at home in her bed. And I've had, like, five to ten seconds where I'll turn around and I won't see Charlie. And, like, I have to repeatedly tell myself, don't freak out, don't freak out. She's here somewhere. Like, it is a never-ending until you see her. So that phone call probably saved Lorelai a heart attack. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I do think Miss Kim, Mrs. Kim has... She has the right idea. Like, she has... She's worried about Lane, obviously. It's not cool that she thinks that Rory's going to be a bad influence just because she kissed another boy. Mm -hmm. I think that's overplayed. Like, it's mentioned a lot, but I think throughout the series, and yeah, throughout the series and the episodes, we don't necessarily see a whole lot of Mrs. Kim doing what a lot of parents would do when you think somebody's a bad influence of trying to keep them apart. Yeah. She never tries to do that, so... No. I think it's more of a she tells Lane this, but doesn't truly believe it. Because I think if she truly believed it, Rory wouldn't be at all of their family events and the family weddings and and those things. Yeah, those kind of and it, yeah. it is a different culture. Gilmore Girls doesn't respect it very much, but we have to respect it. Mm-hmm. The Korean culture is a different culture than the... Uh, white girl that lives in town. Like, it's a different culture. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, like, even, uh, like I said, I've been watching these with my mom. So, us talking, she's just like, you know, Mrs. Kim has her ideals, and she's trying to teach them to Lane. She's trying to get Lane ahead, but she does not hate Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a big distinction. Yeah. Um, Everything she does, it's out of concern for Lane's future, wanting the best mm-hmm. for Lane. Um, yeah. I want to give Mrs. Kim some props, though, for not immediately calling them out on the on the kiss. Because obviously mm-hmm. she heard and she knows what's going on. 
um, since she does mention it to Lorelai, but you see with how strict she appears to be at this point, she could have very easily been like, no, I know what you're talking about. Get out. And she doesn't. She, oh, okay. And walks away. She still lets these girls be girls. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back to kind of, so I would say this is a very much a Dean heavy episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a lot of interaction with Dean. We hear from Dean the most we have heard. Um, but something that I know we had brought up in a previous podcast is we get more of that comparing Dean to Christopher. Mm-hmm. In this episode, Lorelai like explicitly mm-hmm. compares Dean to Christopher. She says he looks like Christopher with the hair, the build, something in the eyes. And that's really funny to me because they, we see Christopher. They clearly <laughs> had not cast Christopher yet. And like, that's like a big... To try to then cast somebody that looked like Jared, I mean, you yeah, can't have two giants walking around this Star's Hollow. No, but you could still have a tall guy with dark hair. I mean, Chris is tall. Chris has the height to be compared to tall, but he's kind of like a dirty blonde, maybe a brunette. He does not have the dark hair. But also in this episode, when Lorelai is giving Dean the talk, she says, you will not get on my motor, or she will not ride your motorcycle. And yeah. he's like, I don't have a motorcycle. And then I'm sitting here thinking, like, uh, in, like, three episodes, you and Chris start talking about motorcycles. So when did that happen? <laughs> it almost, and, like, this is this is my brain, but, like, it almost felt dirty when she was like, she will not ride oh, yeah. you. I was like, yeah, okay, a little innuendo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yikes. Definitely a little innuendo, though. In, innuendo there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lane, right? Lane and Rory, they become... I mean, they are schoolgirls, right? Mm-hmm. So they are gossiping about this. They're so excited. And it's so cute. It's such a cute scene. It is. Yeah. And Lane says a whole bunch of things about Dean mm-hmm. that Rory yes. had no idea about. Including that he is deathly allergic to walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was an ex-girlfriend, Chicago. And it's from a boy named Todd. Yes, we see we see Todd. Oh, Todd! Future. We heard the first mention of Todd. Uh, yeah, I, I commented that. Um, I did kind of want to talk about Beth though, mm-hmm. because I feel like this is the beginning of how we see Rory treats or talks about who she thinks might be her. Um, oh, what's the word? Competition? competition. Yes, competition. That's the word. Thank you. I mean, her immediate response is Beth. Ugh. And then I don't even like that name. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we see it in the future with Shane as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just very interesting to me. And it makes sense, though, because I feel like I was probably the same way at that age. Um, yeah. Right? When you, have, when you have no experience and nothing to compare against, mm-hmm. it's very easy to feel self-conscious about literally any experience that a partner has had that you weren't involved in. Because yeah. you're, you don't know what you're doing. And it's like, gosh, did they know what they were doing? Yeah. So I have a lot of empathy for, for poor young Rory at this point. But I really appreciated Lane in that scene. This is the mm-hmm. pilgrim scene. Because Lane is like, well, he won't stop talking about you. She's such a good friend. She's like, no, you don't have to be worried. He is mm-hmm. so it's into so you. so cute. Yeah. I love that scene. I love it too. And, you know... Lane says something. She says, I can't do anything in my personal life, so I live through yours. Yeah, right? she's living vicariously through Rory. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, don't do that. 
I I get where you're coming from, Lane. I understand that you have a very strict um, household right now and you don't have the freedom that Rory has, but your life is valid and you deserve to have good experiences outside of what your best friend experienced. I don't yeah. disagree with that, but I also see where Lane's coming from. Like a 16 year old yeah. girl who doesn't get to go out on dates or go do the thing, like everything that she does has to be mom approved. And this particular mom does have very tight strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I understand where she's coming from. I don't think you're wrong. I fully get that. In terms yeah. of just be a happy human being, you need to be happy with your own life. But at this point, she's still really young and hasn't mm. quite gotten that maturity yet. I'm surprised, though, that, and I was thinking this a couple episodes ago, but I am surprised that Lane does not rebel, openly rebel against her mom or have that teenage angst that teenagers normally have against their parents, especially strict parents. Like, I had a bunch of angst against my dad. If you don't get, let me do this. And you don't, and like, I totally get now. Like, yeah, so I don't fall off the side of the earth into drugs or whatever. I get that. Um, But to me, for Lane to respect and love her mom, like, she never says a bad, a truly bad word about her. She talks about how strict she is, but she clearly has a lot of respect for her mom. and And that surprises me at that age with all of the rules that, you know, are in play there. I yeah. do think that's a culture thing. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, I, I think would there's definitely a cultural aspect mm-hmm. there. Which I think, uh, Sandra, you mentioned earlier that Gilmore Girls does not do a great job of representing other cultures. Um, I think the Kims are their biggest attempt at showing any other kind of culture. Um, mm-hmm. And the respect for her elders is something that Lane clearly has, has taken yeah. and... I think it's nice. It's a nice contrast, especially when we have some of these other mother-daughter relationships in the show, like obviously Lorelai and Emily that are so combative, that are so like nasty at times. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can see people who who don't, aren't seeing eye to eye, right? But they still love each other and they still are respectful of each other. Yeah. I I love that. I love that about Leigh and their relationship. Speaking of respect, um, I, (laughs) when I was younger, when Lorelai invites Dean to the movie night, when I was younger, I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be so cool. Now I'm just like, Lorelai, I I can't believe she did that. I completely understand where Rory is coming from with like the, why would you do that, mom? Respectfully, Jess, I always thought that was a yikes moment. I I, I always thought that Lorelai was the coolest grown-up in the world, and, like, the idea of being able to hang out with her seemed so cool. Maybe if she was my mom, I would have felt differently, but... I was a really socially anxious kid, so, like, and my mom is not. She's an extrovert. She talks to everyone. She talks, and like I said before in a previous podcast, my mom knew all the teachers, at school and she knew the parents because of PTA and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So she would be like, so-and-so's mom is doing this today. You want to go do that? Or I'm like, no, I don't talk to these people. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? It was a struggle. I'll admit, I never saw the, as a kid, and I'm kind of with you on that, Jess, like that never bothered me. And as an adult, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm just, too chill about some things but like that particular instance like I know Rory freaked out obviously and and she didn't like it 
Um, but it, it never bothered me that much. Yeah. I was like, okay. Well, and luckily, Lorelai is, like, the coolest grown-up mm-hmm. on Earth. Um, but this was this was such a throwback moment for me. I love that they planned their entire night around renting a movie that yeah. might not have been available to rent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they had already gone to the store and bought all their candy and everything. When and it's like, ten oh, minutes to closing when they go get it. These, these ladies, oh my gosh. It was just, it it took me back because um, I know that some of our listeners are, are younger, but, like, if you wanted to watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and you did not own it, you really had to hope that somebody still had a copy of it. You know, Blockbuster, or Hollywood Video, or whoever you had. Oh man, I was a kid. I had SNS video and main video. Like <laughs> yeah. in my tiny little town, we did not have chains. We did yeah, not have Blockbuster. blockbuster. <laughs> we had uh the first the first place I ever rented videos was just like it was a handy mart, you know, like a kind of corner store. And okay. they just had a they had a section of VHSs up by the checkout and it was like Care Bears and Strawberry Shortcake and that kind of stuff. I miss video rental. Yeah. Miss going and just, and, and you can't, you don't get the video itself. You don't get the tape itself. You get a little card or, or, or like whatever system. Yeah, yeah. Whatever system they use. And then they'd get it out, um, get it for you and give it to you. And it was, it was fun. Fun fact. Uh, the last blockbuster on earth is in Bend, Oregon. I have seen the documentary actually. <laughs> it's still there it's still renting out videos it's like the last one literally yeah the there's a documentary one. on netflix yeah. that i saw it's a recently. very fun one don't they have like their own twitter account it's not them it's run by oh. somebody else oh. oh is it like a parody <laughs> yeah oh. that, that makes sense yeah uh going back to <laughs> gilmore girls but that movie night right that is quintessential gilmore girls in my mind mm-hmm. right yeah. yes it oh is. my gosh <laughs> That when they go over the spread and there's like the whole tube of cookie dough, bowl mm-hmm. of M&M's, bowl of jelly beans, cheat like everything. Just a sugar high. And right? <laughs> the worst TV ever. Well, I guess it wasn't at the time, but now I'm just like, wow, that was a really shitty TV to yeah. watch a movie on. Man, that's the TV I watched movies on all the time as a kid. <laughs> it's a TV I grew up with. <laughs> Well, I thought it was really funny that they start out on the couch with the pizza and all the food, and then they move to the floor because I guess Why? The, the view must be better from the floor. No, it's I not. That was just so weird. And he puts the pillow behind her, like trying. And it's a sweet move. It is, mm-hmm. but, but like she's in front of an end table, she can't lean back. She can't. The table will move. <laughs> She'll fall backwards. Uh, the logistics of this episode, man. Well, and, and logistics, too. Okay, so they go to Dosey's. It's already dark outside. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Th- for it to already be dark outside, it has to be dead of winter for them to be starting movie night at well, 7. Well, they're in Presumably November. Presumably it's, yeah, yeah, November, like, yeah. Thanksgiving time. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just here, but I don't feel like it starts getting dark after 6 until, like, December-ish. Because it's, like, oh, full-blown no, dark. no, 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 <laughs> no. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's up person there. here. It starts getting dark at five o'clock in the afternoon. Well, it starts it getting super dark, dark here. It gets super dark really fast there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I haven't spent a whole lot of time on the East Coast, and normally it's in the summer when I'm out there, so I don't see it as much. But, like, I'm, yeah, I, I was curious because she, Lorelai asked Dean, hey, what are you doing tonight? It's like, well, what time is it? Yeah. It's a, uh, there there's... was a clock. Um, yeah. I don't know if you could, yeah, it was like 6 15 ish. Um, so you, because there's like a, a clock out in the tower. Oh, like square. the tower. Yeah. Kind of. oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, it did say like 6 15, I think maybe 6 20. And I didn't see anything out of the normal. Like, I would okay. think 6 20, it would be that dark. Yeah. What I thought was weird was that Lorelai was like 7 o'clock and he's in the middle of a shift. Right. Which she does that not too. know yeah. when he ends. I was like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Like, well, working, clearly. I'm here. Yeah. Like, how is that not the answer? <laughs> how do you not start that conversation with like, hey, when are you off? Like, yeah. Are you going to be available tonight? But, I mean, nothing about this whole entire situation is normal. Um, no. Good on Dean, though, for being, like, yeah. chill about this. Yeah. I have a note that this is, for me, like, we're already kind of getting to the beginning of the end for Dean, which is such a bummer because... what In regards to... In regards to how I feel about Dean, yeah, like, this is kind of the, the point where I start tailing off. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he was so cute. He was so cute. We finally we got him. And now I'm like, ooh, I don't want to get to know him anymore. Like, well, so, uh, For me, it's when Lori's <laughs> in the restroom, supposedly cleaning her face. Or is she in the closet? We don't know. That's oh, yeah. The closet. Yeah, that's the closet <laughs> no at idea. this point. I, actually, I think she's in Suki's house. <laughs> I think because I think the set actually yeah it does <laughs> yeah so Lorelai pauses the movie and gives Dean the talk yeah and I did not like Dean's initial response to that like he just seemed kind of disrespectful yeah to Lorelai um I'm trying to find what I wrote. well he says like oh it's the talk yeah like, just very sarcastic yeah. no respect mm-hmm. I'm like come on like you're, you're you're already in the house. Why are you gonna start here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so just going back to the beginning of the whole like movie night, right? So we start with Lorelai and Rory are waiting for Dean, waiting for Dean, stressed out that he's not showing up, and they find out that he has been, in fact, grabbed by Babette and also Maury, who is participating <laughs> through the <Yeah>. window. <laughs> so cute though. <laughs> like I I love I love how much Babette and Maury we see. I forgot how much we see of them in, in season one. They do taper off quite a bit. They yeah, do, they do. I have a note. Lorelai is very assertive, even when she fails. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So the refrigerator had a whole. There was a story about the refrigerator. Don't understand why it was included. Because there had to be a reason why Rory couldn't immediately tell her mom. And literally the only reason they could think of is if Lorelai is super mad and storming off and saying, I I hate hate my my life. life. Girl, calm down. (laughs) Also, she says the fridge is useless, but there's clearly still food in it. It's still Chinese. Yeah, like the next day. But what I was trying to say is Lorelai is very good at being assertive. And maybe Mm -hmm. that comes just from her work. Yeah, she's a manager, so she's got an experience from there. But she doesn't usually succeed, or at least in this episode, she did not succeed. Yeah, being assertive. <laughs> it's kind of nice to see, though. Like you see so much of Lorelai sweet talking and joking and flirting and getting her mm-hmm. way. It, mm-hmm. It's it's nice when you do see her fail, and yeah. that she takes it so well. Like she's annoyed, obviously, 
understandably, but she doesn't like, for the most part, sit and sulk and be angry and and focus on it forever. It's just, well, that's life and kind of moves on. Since we're talking about Lorelai being assertive, I want to take us back a little bit in the episode to, guys, hot Luke is so hot in this episode. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We all have to agree. The scene with Luke and Lorelai in Dozie's Market, like, it's hot in this little closet that I record in, okay? And I love seeing Luke, like, so take charge in that moment. Because Lorelai is being a little bit crazy, right? Yeah. She's like a grown creepy. woman creeping on this kid. About how and... he handles lemons. Yeah. Yep. And I I made a note. Luke is pro-Dean in this episode. We will yes. see that stance change a lot. But in this episode, he is all for giving Dean the benefit of the doubt. He's like mm-hmm. backing Dean. He's like, you need to leave him alone. Yep. The funny thing about Luke is that he always likes the idea of Rory with a a nice boyfriend, but then anytime he sees her with a boy, (laughs) he's just like, no, wait. I didn't agree to this. (laughs) It's very dad like. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, And Luke is not there yet, right? I think Gilmore Girls, they kind of recon Luke. They do. Because in, in the beginning, he's just like, he's just the diner owner. And mm-hmm. somehow along the way, he became a surrogate dad to Rory. Yeah. yeah. And supposedly, I mean, this is later, but he's been giving her birthday presents since she was eight mm-hmm. or yeah. something around there. Unicorns so, yeah. and pencils and stuff. Yeah. Monogrammed God knows what. Mm-hmm. But you're you're completely right, Sandy, in that they do, um, they do recon him mm-hmm. to fit that dad role-ish. Yeah. It's just, it's so fun to like, Because like we said, we see Luke becoming true Luke or, you know, Luke that will become canon for the rest of the show in this episode. And I really appreciated Luke playing um, kind of like the straight man to Lorelai's fall guy in this because Mm -hmm. later seasons Luke gets a little bit crazy sometimes. He makes rash decisions. Mm -hmm. He has explosions that are kind of out of nowhere. Um He's got kind of like a lot of anxiety in, yeah. in later seasons. And it's nice to see him just be like hot and calm and in charge. Didn't get his cream, though. I noticed that. No. So first of all, I'm confused <laughs> that, number one, you run out of cream at a diner. And instead of saying, oh, we're out, get something else, you leave <laughs> to go to the store to buy some more. And I mean, then, it's like next door, right? doesn't even get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't met Caesar yet, but. I assume he's there, but I mean, it's a diner, so you'd have Luke in the front and Caesar, I would assume, would be in the back cooking, Mm -hmm. not, like, Mm -hmm. trying to fill that front and back role. That's how you earn the food. They have three different Caesars throughout the series, so it could be either any of them. Who we see in these first couple, first season, who we assume is Caesar, that guy stays throughout this, like, the entire series. So he apparently has a completely different name because we obviously have a very defined Caesar in mm-hmm. the future. Yeah. Continuing on about Luke Steiner, in Luke Steiner, Lorelai and Rory have a little powwow. This is, we are all over the place <laughs> in this episode. But, That's okay. Uh, rewinding, I guess, to their little powwow about General Hospital and then later on, Lorelai is giving some strong hints, mm-hmm. right? How did Rory not pick up on that? (laughs) Kiss. 
And Lucky wanted to kiss her. <laughs> Come on, Rory. You're says, not that oblivious. Do you think Rory is playing dumb? And then later on, I'm like, no, she wasn't. She really no, didn't. she straight up was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Girl so funny. Playing. <laughs> we like Rory is pretty perceptive throughout mm-hmm. the series. And I mean, those hints were horrible. Yeah. And it's so funny that she came from apparently rehashing the two minute long kiss for an hour to being in another space with somebody who's repeatedly saying the word kiss and it's like whoop right over and her head. cannot connect the thoughts at nope. all nope poor sweet uh, innocent Rory. <laughs> i did think this was a very realistic view of a 16 year old right like 16 yeah. year olds think everything is the end of the world and yes. to them at that time it is right yes yeah as an almost 30 year old not really, but you know what? At 16, I had those problems too, and I very likely reacted the same way. Yeah. That's one big thing I appreciate about Lorelai, and that she recognizes these big things that are huge mm-hmm. deals to worry, which as an adult, you're normally like, you know, you failed a test, you got a D or, or whatever, and, you know, let's move on and get better. I under I really appreciate Lorelai for being able to relate to Rory this way and be like, yeah, it's a big deal. Let's talk it out or discuss it or you know whatever is required there. Yeah. Also, uh, I appreciated Rory not ordering a cup of coffee, coffee, and just taking a sip instead of ordering and then abandoning yeah. it. <laughs> yes. Gotta conserve coffee. Apparently, they're running out of things at Luke's. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Back to movie night. Dean uh, goes into Rory's room and has a look around. And we, as the audience, get a look around Rory's room as well. She has a bunch of posters of South America, Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. I, Poland or something with land at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has this really pretty paper vase and flower. Uh, decoration mm-hmm. but she has these like creepy mask decorations <laughs> as well i didn't see I the creepy those. masks <laughs> i just think she, she also has random dolls from other countries like the little russian dolls and uh just random knickknacks mm-hmm. right that i guess they thought rory wants to be well traveled let's get her dolls from everywhere yeah but where are the books we don't see very don't many see books. Any books do we no see books. not yet so there's like if if you're looking straight at the foot of Rory's bed, mm-hmm. um, to the right, you usually you have the window wall, yes. right? And then to the left, that's usually, that's like a bookcase wall, right? Yeah, there's just the, like Sandy mentioned, the, the dolls and stuff there. But there's, there's no, no books. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I did not like Dean when he picked up the chicken. Yeah. I was like, that, come on, don't make fun of her for having a stuffed animal. That's such a boy thing to do. Right, it, it is. is but still, <laughs> don't be I mean, a dick. Also, just kind of like bold to be like, "Hey, can I go into your room?" Like I, I remember the first time that I like had a boy who was not like you know like a kid boy who was a friend mm-hmm. into my room. Um, it was that boy who I spent all that time talking to on MSN Messenger. Um, and the just saga like continues. <laughs> it was that same day that that one that one ill-fated rendezvous um but there is like 
there is a massive intimacy to like showing somebody your private space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like, I totally understand why Rory was like, I'm going to stand out here. Like, this makes me uncomfortable. You are in my, like, my private realm. And I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast or just off the podcast, but like, in my in my room growing up, I had all kinds of stuff on my walls. I had, you know, memorabilia from concerts and plays I was in and notes from people and letters tacked all over my walls. So when you went into my room, like you were really seeing a lot of are. me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I get that. I get that. Like, uh, yeah, you can look, but oh, don't look too close. I want you to leave now. <laughs> I There's something very intimate about having mm-hmm. a boy in your bedroom for the first time, though. Like even... Obviously, Rory's not to the point where she wants to get, like, physical or anything like that. But there's – even at that age, I feel like there's still, in the back of your mind, like, a thought. Oh, yeah. And to have, like, the very first thing he wants to do is see her room and go into it. Like, I would be uncomfortable, too. Like, I'm going to stand at the door and not put myself in a situation where things might happen because I'm not ready for them to happen. Yeah. So, I'm a big person who um, likes to compare moments – so the first time Rory and Jess meet, it's in her bedroom, right? And Jess waits outside of her door until she kind of gestures for him mm-hmm. to come in. At that point, bit of too, Jess, Jess isn't a love interest, though. He was not. It this was literally was... the first time they met. And this yeah. is just, a, at that point, a potential friend. Mm-hmm. So I don't think at that point the intimacy would be there the same as It would be really movie. weird. If he just Unless like walked you're in. me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any boy had showed up and come into my room, I would have been like, ah, especially one that looks like my love and Amelia. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so I have a brother who's a year older than me, and so we had a lot of in high school. We had a lot of the same friends, same friend group. So that's how we always got like our crushes to spend mm-hmm, the night ish. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd invite mine over, I'd invite his over. It didn't happen very often because. Honestly, he liked girls that were not in the same friend group as mine. But, like, I totally had a crush on every single one of his friends at some point. Yeah. Like, Jess, you go with every boy in your school. I'm like, nope, every one of my brother's friends, though. Yep. (laughs) Sure did. If my brother had been older and not younger, I would have been there, too. For sure. It's a Todd situation, right? Also, if any of my brothers listen to this... Yes, I am talking about you, just so you know. You and your friends. <laughs> at one point. <laughs> so I feel like one of the things that we set out to do when we started this podcast is we really wanted to make a personal connection to the things that are happening. Because mm-hmm. when we were watching, the the things that we saw were impacting the way that we felt about the world around us. Um, and I think we would be remiss to have the first kiss episode and not talk a little bit about first kisses. And I mean, I'll I'll share mine because it was it was quick, it was cute, and then it was done. <laughs> <laughs> but my first kiss. So I had gone to a study night with a boy that I was really interested in, and then I drove back to my house and thought nothing of it. Got home, was talking to a friend on Instant Messenger about this boy. When this boy shows up at my house and is like, I think I left my wallet in your car. And we look at my car, boom, there's his wallet. And so I go to say, all right, great. And like, give him a hug. And it was so funny. We're standing in front of the hood of my car and he puts his hands on my shoulders and he kind of pushes me back from giving a hug. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? 
And then he kissed me. And it was very quick. It was it was very much <laughs> it was very much the Dean and Rory like two second kiss. Mm-hmm. But it was my first kiss, and I was just like in total shock. And I think we just said goodbye. He got back in his car and You didn't left. say thank you? <laughs> I did not say thank you. Um, and But then I ran back inside, got an instant messenger. was like, oh, my God, he kissed me. <laughs> well, yeah. And then Can my, I ask how old you were? I was, y'all ready for this? Huh? I was 18 years old. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I was don't, a don't legal be. adult. <laughs> um, I was a really late bloomer, but... I also, my dad was the only one home at the time. And I remember turning to my dad and being like, dad, I got kissed. He was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> my dad How was do you react to that? Dad was shell-shocked. Like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So that was dad my just first thinking, kiss. What do I say to not make her freak out? How do I not right? freak out? Right? Like, I'm his 18-year-old baby. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first kiss. It was, it was no dozy's market, but... It was one of those things that I then rehashed to my friends for the oh, rest yeah. of forever. Yep. So, Even now, as grown adults living yep. our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 15-year-old Sandra, freshman or sophomore, sophomore, sophomore in a Catholic school. Very good girl, right? <laughs> friends with everyone, but had like a, a central group, but I was friends with everyone. Got invited to a popular girl's sweet 16. Ooh, a boy-girl partay. Yes. And I went. And it was not in a hall. It was not in a banquet. It was in a house. House party. It was a house party. Was it in a basement? No, it was in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) But there were 10 people there. And I was very confused as to why I was there. But I was friends with the girl, like, whatever. But this was a different group of friends, right? So I go in. I'm wearing, like, a classic 15-year-old thinks she has to wear to a party. It was not good. And everyone else is in very sexy dresses and, like, yeah. I go in. (laughs) I think I gave her a scarf or something. um, And immediately alcohol comes out oh snap yes and i feel super uncomfortable i don't drink and you know i will say something about peer pressure no one cared that i wasn't yeah. drinking that's good it's like okay well here's a coke right um everyone else was drinking we start playing spin the bottle what Okay, that's like Again. the most cool cliche way to have a first kiss. <laughs> nope, it gets worse, guys. Oh no. oh no. 15, sweet 16, spin the bottle. And it's my turn, and I'm freaking out because I've never been kissed before. Yeah. Um, it lands on my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it lands on my friend, and uh, he is one of my closest friends from freshman year. I know him very well. He is super gay. Oh, yeah, in a Catholic school. (laughs) I have set him up with some of my friends. I have talked in depth with him about it. And he's like, all right, guess it's time to kiss. And he leaps on me. Oh, wow. Sticks his tongue down my throat. Oh, damn, girl. (laughs) And just starts kissing me. And I'm like, all right, this is my first kiss. (laughs) 
Wow. First yeah. kisses aren't supposed to have a tongue. Yeah. Oh, First kisses, so especially with a, an openly gay boy, are not supposed to have tongue. <laughs> One would think. Uh, <laughs> and then it wasn't until I was 17 that I had, like, my real first kiss. Well, I, I still consider it my first kiss, but, like, a, a, with a, a real boy kiss that where you were, yeah. Like a relationship type thing. Mm-hmm. Aw. Well, good <laughs> on your friend for being so into it. I mean, he really right? tried to make it special. <laughs> Again, Hypnotic was involved, which is a sh- very shitty drink from the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> like jungle juice? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Ugh. Emily? Uh, my first kiss, I was... I was in eighth grade, so I was probably 13, 14, and I had just started dating this boy who was a, I was in eighth grade. He would have been in 10th grade, I think, because he's a couple years older than me. And we had met through another friend of mine, and so we had just started going out. We were at the Little League field because that's where you hung out in middle school. Mm-hmm. I have a baseball that a boy picked up off a ball field and gave to me. Nice. Still have it. <laughs> nice. Ball fields so, are good for romance. Yeah. So we were both there, like, with our own group of friends. But, like, we were all hanging out together. And then as the game ended, it was getting late. Um, he had – he actually only lived, like, three houses down from me. So we lived on the same block. But so he rode his scooter to the Little League field, which was like four <laughs> blocks from my house because my town was like 10 blocks. <laughs> it was a tiny town. And so we kind of step away from our friends group to say bye and stuff. And then he just gives me a little peck on the lips, hops on his scooter and goes. And then I just stood there stunned, like watched him driving away. It's like one of those moped scooters. Uh, just watched him through my heart you know going pitter pat. i was like oh, i just had my first kiss and i'm like my head whips around i was like friends where are you <laughs> friends assemble obviously i yelled their names yeah. Um, yeah yeah and then we walked back to my house because you know the little league world was three blocks away and talked the entire time about it mm-hmm. <laughs> there is nothing more uh rehashable than our first kiss oh, because definitely. and it's like at this point, it's like, did it even happen the way that I remember it? Or have I just told the story so many times in so many ways that, like, it's completely new? I do yeah. remember calling my best friend because she was not invited to that party um, afterwards and talking for, like, two hours about the party. <laughs> yeah. But that night, I also kissed a couple more people, right? Because it's been the, the bottle, bottle, right? Like, it, was, it, it wasn't sense. just one time, right? And one of them was uh, my friend, right? And was a little bit of a party girl, but she was cool and I liked her. That day on MySpace, she put on, on my page, I had so much fun kissing you. Oh. <laughs> so, That's like um, some juicy MySpace stuff. Right? Yes. And Did she put then, you in her top eight? She, we were not in each other's top eights, no. Because that would have um, been like... But she was my friend. That would have been really deep. If she was yes. like, I loved kissing you. Also, you're my number two. Like, that would have been relationship status. Right? <laughs> so the next day, multiple people came up to me, right? You um, kissed a girl? Like, yeah. And did you? Uh, I saw a comment. Is it true? Like, because everyone's like, uh, was she even there? Like, she's not that type of girl <laughs> um, <laughs> that goes to parties. So I was like, <laughs> I remember being so embarrassed and so like. That day was like, 
red faced all day. Aww. And I remember just being like, can you please put that, like, take off the comment? And she's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And and it's not a big deal. But yeah, again, I was now. 15 years old. Yeah. Now if 15, someone put that on my like, Catholic would be like, high hey. school, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, 15, you think everything's the end of the world, just like Rory. Yep. Absolutely. I say my first kiss was, uh, he was, he was my first love. Oh, my first little teenage romance. And I love that you lived like three doors down from him. It's very Taylor Swift, you know? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Didn't work so out so well when we broke up. Yeah. But, you know, the three months we were together was great. <laughs> so while they're watching the movie, somehow Disney gets brought up. Uh, yes yes the princess princess. and i wanted to ask you guys who is your disney prince eric 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 Eric. it's the dark hair with the blue eyes (laughs) the little mermaid it's so funny i don't know how i knew but like i was like eric like eric is the hottest prince he has like hardly any personality but he is good to look at (laughs) my second would be aladdin but Eric yes. is, is nope. number one. I would agree with that. I and I never really thought this through before, but like, uh, the Sleeping Beauty's prince because he dances. I'm like, mm-hmm. you just talked about Cinderella. They spend the entire night dancing at the ball. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. he can dance too. <laughs> like, if you're gonna compare two, why why are you gonna compare two who dance? Yeah, at least Sleeping Beauty's prince has like a little bit more like he personality. Has a personality. Yeah, yeah. Prince yeah. Prince Charming is like literally nothing. Does he have any lines? <laughs> I I don't honestly think so. I don't remember watching this movie. I don't like, Cinderella. In the last twenty years of my life, I don't remember watching it. <laughs> Just have a kid, uh, <laughs> a daughter specifically. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cinderella's prince. I don't think he has very many lines, if any. Mm-hmm. Snow White's the same. I think. Sleeping Beauty was the first prince to actually have, like, a personality. Mm-hmm. And you can see he wants to fight for this girl who he wants to marry. Yeah. Versus the other prince is just kind of like, a girl, let's get married. <laughs> let's get married. Yeah. You're pretty. Immediately. And Sleeping Beauty's prince is kind of, like, fun when they meet in the woods, right? He's kind yeah. of playful. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other, like, classic Disney princes. Because there are princes who exist that came out after... Gilmore, mm-hmm. obviously, like um, the prince from Tangled. Oh yeah, um, um, he's not a he's prince, a hunk, but I mean, he's not he like prince. marries into the royal family <laughs> after many proposals. Okay, guys, I watched Tangled <laughs> way too many times. <laughs> Flynn Rider does he he gets rejected a couple of times. He says so in the epilogue. <laughs> she doesn't say yes. Yeah, oh, Tangled, uh, and then uh, the, the Princess and the Frog. Yeah, the beast, yeah. Oh, the he, beast he wasn't human. Yeah, but he, he was had a, a lot of personality. He did have a lot of personality. And then he, he turned out to be like a boring, bland white guy. Come on. That's like Disney. What do you <laughs> Oh, you know what? Does Tarzan count? I don't he wasn't think really he was a prince. He's not a prince, but he's like really built. I love the he Disney really theory stupid. that Tarzan is siblings to Anna and Elsa. I have read that, that his yeah. parents that. <laughs> that their parents like survived the crash and are you know living on an island in the jungle and have Tarzan. 
technically right. a princess. One more thing that I wanted to talk about, because I think we need to talk about. There is a comment from Lorelai that I do not agree with, and I hated. Mm. And it was calling Rory a supermarket slut. Yep, yeah. I have that written down. I, like, I... <laughs> I've already brought it up like two or three times in the podcast so far, but the slut dropping, it's not even like slut shaming. It's that they just use slut in a very derogatory way and it's mm-hmm. always presented like playfully, but it's just icky. I don't like it. it I, I wrote it down as soon as she said it because I was like, why? So I will say, and I'm not saying that this is right by any means, but when I was in middle school and high school, that was a very common thing. And maybe mm-hmm. it was just where I went to school. I, I think it's very much a comment of its time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's entirely inappropriate, especially now that we have a lot more. As older adults, you know, we have a lot – a true – I think a more understanding of what that term actually is Yeah. versus when you're in middle school and you don't have any – really any or mm-hmm. middle or high school. You don't have any sexual experience like that. Mm-hmm. A slut is just somebody who has more experience than you, and at that age, you're jealous of them, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's very much of its time. I don't agree with it, and I fully don't like that line either. Yeah. Yeah, because it's obvious Lorelai's just making fun of her, right? She's right. just mocking her. Yeah. Um, but Rory already feels insecure about what happened. People are already talking too mm-hmm. much about it, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just... The most innocent peck of a kiss. Yeah. Can you imagine your mom calling you a slut because of an innocent peck of a kiss? Like, I would just be horrified. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think we've all talked about how our relationships are with our mom versus the Rory Mm -hmm. Lorelai relationship. Like, my mom never in a million years would call me a slut, even playfully. Like, that's just not the relationship we have. Um, And I... Sandra and I are the same age. We're both 28. But when... I was in, like, middle school, everybody was calling their friends bitch, right? Like, mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. bitch, sup, bitch. I was never – I never did that. It yeah. always felt uncomfortable to me. Um, my my One of my best friends and I, we used to call people hoe bags. <laughs> that was, like <laughs> – that was what we – that was where we were kind of at. We'd be like, oh, my gosh, such a hoe bag. Oh, my gosh, you're such a hoe bag. But, yeah, I, I don't think I ever called anybody a slut. And if I did, I feel very bad about it. Like I've said before, I don't even know if it's made it on the podcast. I was really big into Once Your Hill, and uh, Brooke used to call people skanks. So oh, that's what that I was yeah, in my term. I've yeah. definitely said things are skanky. Yeah, live it's and learn, enough, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it kind of goes a little bit um, deeper. Or we see something similar later on with Dean. Where he's like marveling at the fact that they're eating. And he says, a lot of girls don't eat. I hate that you're not like other girls kind Mm -hmm. of mentality. Or I'm not. Putting Rory on that pedestal again. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody puts Rory on a pedestal. Like, everybody puts Rory on a pedestal until she literally falls off the pedestal. And (laughs) And then they just go get another pedestal. Yeah. I didn't like the eating comment either. Because even though that is very much a character trait of the Gilmores, and I think it's written to be that way. Like, they're not Mm -hmm. like other girls. They eat all this junk. Um, I don't like when people bring it up. Yeah. It just, it's, yeah. Because Luke brings it up too, right? Like, oh my gosh, how do you guys eat like this? 
Like, don't comment on the way people eat. Yeah. Right? I'm going to say from a scientific standpoint, there is no way these girls eat the way no. they did and look the way they do. <laughs> no. And, unless and they both have, exercise. like, exercise. gnarly tapeworms. <laughs> there we go. Completely nutrient deficient. <laughs> like, New just canon. Lorelai and Ori have tapeworms and that's why they're so thin. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> ASP, please confirm. <laughs> Uh, that's it for me. The only other note I have is we meet Joe, the pizza guy. Yeah. Just for like half a second. I never <laughs> even thought Joe was a character in this. So that was surprising yeah. to me. No, but, but we it. see him on and off throughout throughout the series. It's a fun little other star, Star's Hollow character. I did love how the episode ended with Lorelai and Rory kind of back to their fun relationship, getting ready to rehash the kiss for the for Rory the 10,000th time. Yeah. But this time it feels much more natural and real to their relationship versus earlier where Rory's awkward and then Lorelai's like overly trying to be okay with it and you can tell mm-hmm. she's, tra- she's like overcompensating. Okay. So it was just, it was cool to have the episode end on them like on a solid best friend's note. Yeah. It's, I agree. I would say most episodes they try to get back to that kind of stasis, right? Of like, all things are good in the Gilmore. It's only mm-hmm. when things are like really bad that we see a feud or a fight go on multiple episodes. That was Kiss and Tell. Good episode. Um, I am not the biggest fan of Dean. You guys know this. It's not a secret. I'm yeah. pretty sure that could be in my bio of my life will be... <laughs> Although I love Sam Winchester, Dean Forrester's the worst. Like, it will just be something like that. However, town person of the week, my vote is for Dean. And it makes me want to die. (laughs) I, I just think that he was, you know, he kissed her. It's a really big step to kiss someone. Um, he handled Lorelai's weird energy. Yeah. And he did well at the uh, movie night. He did have a little bit of attitude towards Lorelai. I will admit. Um, But for the most part, he was a cute boy with a floppy Sean Hunter haircut. (laughs) And it ends so cute. A nice little peck on it, you know, when they're leaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A much better kiss. The second one is much better. Well, the second kiss is always better, right? That's what they say. You figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I will agree with Dean. Um, I'm going to specifically say, though, because he built that Mayflower out of cans. <laughs> like, having worked in retail, when you get asked to do crazy display kind of stuff, it takes commitment to be like, I'm going to do this well. So for that, I can accept Dean as our person of the week. What about you, Emily? I, I will do that as well. I will go with Dean. I just think he was super cute. Uh, him and Rory's relationship really started to blossom here, and, and I, I appreciated he did put in the effort with Lorelai, other than a couple of weird remarks here and there. Um, but yeah, I'll go with Dean, too. And also, he is obviously a fantastic worker at Dosis because he's there for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He really commits he to that job. Um, this is might be off topic, but does he ever graduate from Bag Boy? Um, is he the I Bag mean- Boy forever? Until he's doing construction. I mean, even when he's doing construction, because him and Rory obviously get together again. Mm-hmm. After that, he's he's going to Dosi's 
with his apron so- in hand and he's stalking and I, I mean, think point, I think he just turns into like manager. I think he just turns into Dosi's every Taylor's every mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, townsperson of the week. As much there as go, I Dean. begrudgingly wanted to say, Dean is the town person of the week. But let's talk about something educational. <laughs> reference of the week. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So I'm gonna pull reference of the week, and in the scene when. Rory is all dressed up in her pilgrim getup, trying to, and Lorelai's there trying to get her to talk about the kiss. Mm-hmm. She's talking about General <laughs> Hospital with Lucky, who goes away and comes back and really wants to kiss, kiss Liz. <laughs> so I had to look it up. <laughs> Number one, General Hospital, 100% a show. It's a daytime drama in the same vein of all our years and God knows what other daytime dramas. Days Whatever your grandparents, yeah, Days of Our yeah. Lives. Yeah. Whatever your grandparents are watching throughout the day, <laughs> this is one of them. So Lucky is initially, is throughout the series, played by three separate actors. The first one being Jonathan Jackson. He plays Lucky from 93 to 99. It is followed by Jacob Young from 2000 to 2003. And then Vaughn from 03 to 09. And then we have Jonathan Jackson come back, oh nine through eleven, and I guess some kind of appearance in two thousand fifteen. The oh fun thing gosh. about this is when I looked up Jonathan Jackson and I saw his picture, I was like, "Boy, I know you. I've seen you." And <laughs> Jonathan Jackson was the love interest in Tuck Everlasting, Alexis Bledel's movie premiere, I think. But yeah, one of Alexis Bledel's first movies, he was her love interest. He was so I cute. I loved him. He was so cute. The <laughs> eyes, man. Such pretty eyes. I love that book, and I love that movie so much. It's been years, yeah. years since I saw it, and I still remember, like, <laughs> the white dress and the yes. forest and the I wanted secrecy. To wear, I wanted that dress. We should have a movie night. Where we watched yeah. Tuck Everlasting. <laughs> yeah. Tuck I'm Everlasting down. and then Sin City. See both sides oh of Alexis. My God. Oh, God. <laughs> I forgot she was in Sin City. Yeah. Mostly I have locked that was movie not my movie. I watched it. Uh, Tuck Everlasting. I feel like Tuck Everlasting is overdue for a resurgence because Hello Cottage Core. Like, yeah. It's it the is current very vibes. Taylor Swift's folklore. Oh, my gosh. Um, but speaking about books, reading books with Emily. This week's book, um, it's not in this episode. We didn't really have any books in this episode. So I had thrown something out on Instagram earlier this week asking from our viewers, what do you guys want to hear? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which obviously Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is based on that book, or go and past a couple episodes the very first episode actually Moby Dick so we did get a little bit of a response the winner being Moby Dick um which is what I was leaning towards anyway because I personally read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in school so I assume most people part of the curriculum anyway Moby Dick oh no Sandra didn't Moby Dick was published in 1851 written by Herman Melville as Rory says it's her first Melville and it's also famously where the line, call me Ishmael, comes from, okay. which is a very common book line you hear. Um, specifically, I first heard it in Matilda. In case you That's the that first movie. line, right? 
I don't know if it's the first line in Call Me Ishmael. I think, or in the movie, in Matilda. I no, no, think, no, I'm sorry, in the book. Yes, the yes, the, the book starts, line. Call Me Ishmael. Mm-hmm. But, so Moby Dick is an epic tale about a whaling ship called the Pequod and Captain Ahab, who is a t- who is tirelessly chasing a great sperm whale who has been named Moby Dick. Um, The story is told by Ishmael. He is a sailor on the Pequod. And the book starts with Ishmael traveling to sign up for a whaling voyage. So it starts off with him not even on the ship yet. But his first stop is in New Bedford, Massachusetts, where he meets Queequeg. I'm totally guessing this. I I have no idea. Queequeg because... It's Q. Uh... Scully names her dog that in the X-Files. Okay. <laughs> okay. Where he meets Queequeg, a tattooed cannibal, who he ends up having to share a bedroom with, which would make me super Robert. uncomfortable. <laughs> the dog in the X-Files does eat a person, so that makes sense. Yeah, but he's not human, so that's okay. <laughs> as long as he's not going around eating dogs. Um uh, so they go to church the next morning together, him and Queequeg, where um, the sermon is Jonah and the whale, which, you know, oh. enjoy that irony. Yeah. Uh, and then they head to Nantucket, where they both are able to sign up for the Pequod. So before, there's a couple prophecies throughout this book that I didn't realize. So before taking off, they meet a man named Elijah, who prophesizes about a dire fate for both of them, should they join Captain Ahab, Captain Ahab on this ship. Um But upon meeting him for the first time, Captain Ahab announces that he is out for revenge on the great whale Moby Dick, who took his leg from the knee down and is currently replaced with a whale jawbone. And Ishmael becomes super oddly invested in this quest. (laughs) Um, The quote being, Ahab's quenchless feud seemed mine. That is loyalty to an employer that I have never experienced. (laughs) Especially considering you just met the guy. (laughs) Uh, so the men take off uh, from via Southern Africa, Africa for the Equatorial Pacific Ocean. It, the, a lot of the book at this point is them meeting other whaling ships. They are killing sperm whales as they go on. Apparently it goes into detail about what they do yes. with these whales and how they do it. Spermaceti is mentioned. I'm not going past that. <laughs> so I have heard Moby Dick... Um, is very detailed, mm-hmm. like extremely detailed, to the yeah. point where it's pages and pages on something that does not have to do anything with the plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, based on, I didn't read the book, I read a summary of the book, but based on the summary alone, I could totally get that. I own the book. Um, I know how thick it is. Mm-hmm. I can, for the story I read, for the length of that book, <laughs> there's definitely a bunch in there that's probably not necessary. But after a couple of these meetups with these other whaling ships, with these fights against these other whales, we do meet another character, Fadala, who makes a prophecy that neither hearse nor coffin can be Ahab's, that before he dies, Ahab must see two hearses, one not made by mortal hands and the other made of American wood. Fadala will precede Ahab in death and only hemp can kill Ahab. So that is, that is our final prophecy that we hear of. So the journey continues. They meet up with some more ships. Ahab's becoming more and more focused on getting to Moby Dick and to the detriment of the people around him um, on his ship and on some other ships. But so we finally get to this, the final battle, 
we get it's a days i think three days long oh my gosh they put the boats in the water and the moby dick you know thrashes them people survive i'm assuming people are dying at this point but ahab is still alive and ishmael is still alive and queequag i think but days into this battle on the second day moby dick kills multiple boats fadala being on one of them and he is killed so the first Yikes. first part of our prophecy. But in that, Ahab also loses his leg, which I thought was interesting. His other leg? His, no, his his pros, pro, prosthetic oh, leg. Oh, his jawbone leg. Yes, he loses his whale jawbone. I thought, man, two legs to one whale, dude. Call, right. it, call it quick. Move <laughs> on. I was thinking that, that when I wrote it, I was like, I need to specify prosthetic leg. <laughs> he's, not, he's not crawling around on his arms. Um. So the third day, Ahab spots him again, spots the whale along with some sharks. Moby smashes through the carnage from the previous boats that had been destroyed. And when he does that, you see Fadala has somehow been tethered to Moby's back. Oh my god. <laughs> Hearse not made by mortal hands. Oh so gosh. more prophecy, more battle ensues. Moby Dick destroys the Pequod, killing everybody on board. Ishmael was not on the boat at this point. I think he was, or he's not, wasn't on the ship. I think he might've been in one of the smaller boats, but he specified he was not on the ship. Um, Moby Dick then targets Ahab again. Ahab gets him with the harpoon, but then gets tangled up in the harpoon and is strangled. Oh no. I can only assume, it's not specified in the summary, but I can only assume that the harpoon rope is... It's hemp. Ishmael survives by floating in a casket that had been made previously that was unused to tell the tale of Ahab and Moby Dick. That's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. It's long. Um, I I tried to cut out as much as I could, but I felt like the prophecies were very interesting Mm -hmm. that they were in there. And and then from there, it just kind of like, well, you need a background to understand (laughs) where it goes. Also, you know, a tattooed cannibal is very interesting. Always. Yes. And our sweet little 15-year-old schoolgirl is, like, learning all about this crazy whale fight. (laughs) She is the reason I bought this book, I gotta say. So I've had this book for 15 years, and I'm just (laughs) carting it around from house to house. Never read it. But I got Um, it. I bought Oliver Twist because of... (laughs) I, I read Oliver Twist in school. I just watched Oliver and Company. It's the same thing, but better with fun music. Very true. (laughs) Well, after books, let's go to... Welcome to Jess's Fashion Corner. Okay, I know this is the start of the fashion, but I have to throw it back to something we discussed a moment ago. I did not realize who Jonathan Jackson was. I loved him in Nashville. He's oh, so good. Oh my gosh, yes. If you like him, watch Nashville. You get a ton of him. That's with Hayden Panettiere, right? Yes. I have no idea how to say her last name, by the way. Yes, that's, that's and, it. And um, Connie Britton? Yes. It's mm-hmm. great. I love it. If yeah. you like if you like Gilmore, there's a lot of fun drama in that one, too. And fun music. Anyway, <laughs> this um, this episode was kind of, uh, kind of hit and miss for fashion. Um, We do see a number of outfits across a number of days, but nothing really stands out as, like, an incredible outfit. I would agree with that. I watched this episode trying to find an outfit, and I just 
Didn't. There really wasn't anything. Um, we do start off with a really chic, monochromatic look on Lorelai. She's got a brown turtleneck with a brown pencil skirt and one of her leather jackets. Um, it just she looks super sleek, super professional. It's very appropriate for the fall kind of atmosphere with the dancing leaves and pumpkins and all of that all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to give a shout out to Taylor. The man comes in strong. He is really repping his entire brand from the beginning. He's got a cozy flannel with a chunky cardigan over it. Uh, This man will continue to rock cardigans as long as we know him. This is the quintessential Taylor outfit. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. We see Lorelai in tie-dye. She's got a blue, purple tie-dye shirt with some like blingy crystals on it. Uh, and she's wearing a crochet bandana, and she has these weird, like, pinkish-purple leather shoes on. Oh, I hated those shoes. They're, yeah, I, like, I love a funky shoe, but they were just kind of ugly, and to be wearing them inside, <laughs> sitting on the ground, surrounded by the contents of your refrigerator, not my vibe. One thing that she does wear that I kind of vibed with is... So she has this black and red jacket that she wears throughout the episode, especially in the scene with Luke in the Dozie's Market. Um, I don't love that jacket. I think that jacket looks like a weird, like, extra in a Michael Jackson music video (laughs) kind of vibe. It looks like a weird fabric. Yeah, it's like a shiny kind of faux satin, but it feels... I imagine it would be the kind that when you run your fingernails across it, it's got a texture to it. It's just a little bit And you don't rough. like it. I don't love it. But she has embellished black flared jeans on. Um, you can't really see the embellishments except for if you pause, like I do, every couple of frames to look at them closely. But they're just a fun, a fun little moment. Uh, the, I have to say the Pilgrim outfits, uh, <laughs> while I don't stand the Pilgrims because... You know, we all live on stolen native land, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, The pilgrim outfits are very cute, and I love that Lane and Rory are just sitting out there. But I don't know if either of you connected with this. Seeing Rory in that little bonnet, like, instantly transported me to Handmaid's Tale. I haven't watched Handmaid's Tale. I know she's in it. Yeah, Alexis is great in it. Um, Yeah, she's really good in it. Yeah, but I like, want to watch it. I think a season a just came watch. out. It just started. Yeah, it it is very intense. But seeing her in a bonnet, I was like, "Why am I triggered by this?" And I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh. it was a little triggering. Yeah, because I've seen her in a bonnet before. Um, Luke looks really good in a puffy vest. Honestly, anytime you guys see Luke wearing something that makes him look huggable, I'm here for it. <laughs> Dad, he looks great in that puffy vest. I do have a very definitive worst dressed of the episode. It is, in fact, the return of Rory's horrible red and white striped shirt. Yes. Remember all With the, the red jacket? To episode one when she came out in her uh, Chilton uniform and she had her, her red and white striped shirt like underneath or on top. And I was like, that's the ugliest thing. If we ever saw it, we'd be like, that's hideous. It is hideous. I was right. <laughs> it's so bad. And she wears it with that red hoodie. Yeah, Sandra. Mm-hmm. And green pants. The whole is not a good look. She's so prepping bad. for Christmas. She's prepping I'm... for Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. They're watching Gene Wilder. Like, everything about it is bad and icky. I hate it. It's the worst dress of the episode by far. 
See, I would go with Lorelai's just because of the pink shoes. I'm glad she changed. Yeah, she does change. Uh, Yeah, the pink shoes are bad. Rory does change. I think that the purple sweater is given a lot more credit than is due. I think it's just a very basic purple sweater. Uh, I didn't I didn't look closely at all of the clothes that Rory had laid out because the angle was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that it is presented, like Lorelai picks it up and kind of spins a little tail about, oh, this is the perfect purple sweater. I, it's just a purple sweater. It looks mm-hmm. like a purple sweater. Yeah. Uh, we briefly see Suki. I love it when we get a little snippet of Suki. She is in orange tie-dye. There's a lot of tie-dye throughout this episode. With very normal hair. Yeah, kind of a, yep. a laid-back Suki who's just here to do some snooping. Yep. I will say Lorelai's outfit in that scene, the date scene, with just like the flannel blue-white top mm-hmm. with the jeans, That that is something that I wear all the time yeah is. definitely yeah and i i and the love, jean jacket i love that flares are coming back <laughs> yes. i love that like i i am a millennial i will wear my skinny jeans till i die but i do love a flare it's fun yes. to have a flare to have a wide leg um so while i do have a definitive worst dressed of the episode my best dressed is kind of meh i think that lorelei and her brown on brown outfit she just looks very chic it's a very nice outfit i'll give her best um and the item that i want to steal is actually luke's puffy vest i think that finding the right puffy vest is very hard you yes. have to either commit to like a sleek puffy vest that doesn't add bulk or you have to commit to like a puffy vest and you just mm-hmm. look like a marshmallow and honestly, anything to take a piece of clothing off of Luke's body. Um. <laughs> the thirst is real. I, love how obs- I just love how obsessed with Luke. He, this, this episode, my friends, so good. But yeah, those, those are my fashion notes of the episode. We had some bad shoes. We had some blah outfits. Um. I'm curious, Jess, what was your thoughts on Dean? Dean and his, so I did notice Dean is very much the 2000s boy. He's got, Mm -hmm. at his collar especially, you can see he's wearing like three or four shirts all layered together. Dean is still leaning heavily on that that leather jacket that is kind of Mm -hmm. his personality right now. (laughs) Um, I mean, he just looks like a gangly boy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I really love when we see him in his, his apron because it's like... He's just a teenager doing this dead-end job that he apparently does for the rest of his life. But I thought he looked fine. He clearly didn't dress up or anything. I did enjoy that, um, and this isn't necessarily fashion-related, but at the beginning when Rory walks in and Dean comes up and she's like, ah, nice apron. And then later Rory, you know, introduces her mom. This is my mom, Lorelai. Oh, nice apron. Yeah. They both say (laughs) the same thing. I didn't catch that, but that's really cute. That is uh, fashion for episode seven. And we have a Stars Hollow Speaks from our most, I'll say our most dedicated listener so far, Carrie. We love hearing from Carrie. Oh my gosh. Every time we get a Carrie email, we're like, we're going to get some good stuff. Carrie wrote a ton about this episode. We totally appreciate it. But for the sake of time, we've just gone through and picked out a couple of key points that we want to cover. So Carrie has told us before she's not a huge Dean fan, but she says, 
I'm not a Dean stan, as we know, but I actually did enjoy this episode with Dean. Rory and Dean share their first kiss here, which I always find funny because I honestly could have seen Rory not have a kiss but dating someone for years before something like that happened since she comes across like someone who would be a prude. She also says, I don't think I'd be happy about getting kissed for the first time in the grocery store, though. Especially because, as everybody points out in this episode, and this is me, Jess, uh, it's, is it the ant bait? No, it's the like ant the ant spray. It's the ant oh, yeah. bait. Everybody's like, ooh, that's a good aisle. Not for the ants. Hey, oh hey, like they say, any aisle where you get kissed by the new kid is a good aisle. Yes. Yeah. True. So Carrie goes on to say, this episode, I don't really like how Lorelai is portrayed because Lorelai and Rory fight about how Rory didn't tell Lorelai about her first kiss. But to me, I feel like that's somewhat normal not to immediately want to tell your parents something like that. For sure. I think, am I the only one who immediately went and told a parent about their kiss? I don't think I've ever told my mom that story that I just said. So she's yeah. going to hear about it for the first time <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. <laughs> Right? Yes, Jess, yeah. you are. You are the only yeah. one. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Rory here. But yeah, no, I totally get that's not a normal thing. And I think my dad probably would have preferred if I did. But um, we also have, I think Lorelai wants a relationship that she didn't have with her parents. But I think at some point she needs to understand that Rory is a teenager and she doesn't have to confide in her all the time about different things. This is one of the episodes of many that I throw my hands in the air and say, let her live. Definitely. I don't I think we really discussed this too much in the rest of the podcast. Um, but at that final scene where Lorelai is in her bedroom and Rory comes in, um, and Lorelai is just kind of like down in the dumps and just like, oh, well, I, just, I wish you'd told me. Like, mm -hmm. there's like a little, she's definitely not trying to guilt Rory, but there's like an element of guilt there. Where it's like, I don't think that Rory should feel bad about having not told her mom. Especially because she goes on to tell her. I think there's an element of manipulation from Lorelai throughout this episode. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like when Lorelai invites Dean and Rory starts freaking out and calls her Emily. And Lorelai just tur immediately turns into the victim here. Uh, yes. Oh my god, I'm my mother. I'm yes. Emily Gilmore, and I i actually had a comment on that, that I wasn't a huge fan of her playing the victim there all of a sudden. And then, in addition to that, though, Lorelai kind of does pull an Emily move there, though. She, she does. does what she thinks oh, yeah. is best for her, but she thinks is best for her kid and invites Dean. And I, I think the intentions there are obviously different between mm -hmm. Lorelai yeah. and Emily, though. Lorelai's pulling a, a manipulation move because she thinks it's something Rory would like. Whereas when Emily pulls that stuff, she does it because she thinks that's what's best. Yeah. So thank you, Carrie. We always love to hear thank from you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I will also say I got a comment from Reddit, uh, a fan who um, is listening from Brazil. And I just think that's super cool to have yes. people Yay. from so far away <laughs> listening to us. It's amazing. And just, a uh, quick thank you to her. And then on Instagram, the story I had posted about let us know what book. Um, I want to throw a shout out to Kendra Beth on Instagram for responding um, for her vote on what book to do. And uh, she also said she liked our podcast better than <laughs> Scott Patterson's podcast. So thank you, Kendra. <laughs> we love to hear it. Uh, yes. <laughs> no comment, no comment. 
I haven't listened to it. Have either of you guys I listened to his podcast? Not I, listened time. To it. I just don't even think I want to. I want to live in this Gilmore podcast free space where we are the only Gilmore podcast. <laughs> I, I do want to listen to it, but I just haven't had the time, honestly. Turns out audio editing is hard. Yes. And time consuming. Time consuming, yeah. And there's so many podcasts, like uh totally off topic, but there's a new Lord of the Rings podcast coming oh. out um with the actors who played Pippin mm-hmm. and Mary. And I'm like, sorry, <gasps> I love Scott. Them. I'm going with the Lord of the Rings podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a new OC podcast too. Like everyone is kind of bringing it up. There's never been a better time to podcast. <laughs> there really hasn't. Yeah. Um and before we leave this podcast. I just wanted to tell you guys the coffee count. Coffee count. So, uh, Miss Rory Gilmore had no cups of coffee. She was. She has not been drinking as much. She had a she sip. Had a sip. sip. <laughs> one sip of coffee. Lorelai had one cup of coffee that was off screen, like it was there on the screen and then refilled. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say that was one cup, and then two cups on screen, so three in total. Okay. So, a coffee light episode. Yeah, but coffee light, food heavy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Nonetheless, even it, though it was uh, a light episode, it's still three cups of coffee. So. <laughs> yeah. Man, to have that Gilmore metabolism or a tapeworm, it's canon. You heard it here. <laughs> As always, um, our social media info and ways you can contact us will be at the end of the episode. We love to hear from you guys. We are so grateful. We love watching the numbers go up of people who have listened to our podcast. Uh, We've got a lot of, I think, what are we at? It'll be our third podcast coming out tomorrow Mm -hmm. um, when we're recording this. And we just love hearing from you guys. So keep on listening. It's been an exciting process. It has. Thanks for reaching out for the comments, for the emails, for the Reddit comments, um, Instagram comments. Thank you so much. We love the interaction. We want more. Yeah. So please always. use those social media handouts that we, we give out at the end. But otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Hey, this is Jess. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to reach out, you can do so by email at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. That's townmeetingpod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at townmeetingpod.